good. We're singing that. We're desperate to hear him this morning. I want to talk about God speaking from heaven this morning. Um, And I want to try and put into context a very familiar story, which we're going to be taught, which we'll be celebrating quite soon, Christmas. And I want to put it into context about God speaking from heaven. God spoke to Adam and Eve. He walked in the garden. He spoke to Cain. Even to Cain, he spoke to him. Remember, didn't he? Remember, he spoke to Cain. We're not sure how God spoke to these people. Quite. He spoke to Noah. He spoke to Abraham. He's in the era of the Chaldees, the man who had nothing. I think we misunderstand. We think Abraham was this great man of faith from the very beginning, but he was just like us, worshipping just everybody else. And God chose that man and put his hand on that man and spoke to him. And it talks about in, in, in Romans 10 that when God speaks, it causes faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the voice of God. So he had heard the voice of God, and faith came. And that's what every one of us needs. We need to hear the voice of God, and then faith comes. That's the way it works. You don't try and get faith without God. God brings faith to us. He gives us a gift of faith. He gives us faith to believe. He moves on our hearts and causes us faith to rise. So all these people had heard God speak, but not very often did heaven open and God just speak. Should I tell you the first person that we hear that happened to? And it's in Genesis 21. Quite amazing. Quite an amazing little thing. Hagar had been thrown out by Sarah and, she, and the, the Hagar had gone into the desert, the water had run out, the baby was crying and it says in 21, Genesis 21, 17, and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven. This voice from heaven to a woman, she was only a s- slave. She, she wasn't anything, anything or anybody. And this is a wonderful picture. It's Genesis 21, verse 17. She wasn't anybody, and yet he appeared to her. He spoke out of heaven, then he came and actually appeared to her and talked to her. And this is what we call a Christiophany, where we think it's Jesus coming and speaking to people on the earth before his incarnation, before he came. And so this is a fantastic passage, isn't it? Heaven opened and God spoke into Hag- to Hagar. And it's a wonderful story. And just, you know, you go home and read it and you see that she was nothing. She was cast out. And if there's anybody here who feels cast out and at wit's end, that's when God speaks into our lives. She wasn't even crying to heaven. She, God heard her. It's a wonderful story, isn't it? Abraham, in Genesis 22, in the next, God spoke to Abraham. And he, and he spoke to him. And then, in verse 11, in the next chapter, 22, Abraham was about to offer Isaac, his son. And what happened? He was just about to 
lift the knife up and sacrifice him. And it says, in verse 11, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. <laughs> See, because he was about to kill his own son, the heir of all things, who's, you know, who would have been, you know, who's Jesus was going to come through. And so it's an incredible thing that God spoke straight out of heaven. Very often, that doesn't happen that often. That God just speaks from heaven down into somebody's life and talks to them. So we don't know how God spoke to these people, but these are the few places where we can hear, see that God spoke directly out of heaven. Isn't it amazing? Now, what we get now is, in, um, after... All these, these things that happen that people, God has spoke to people, we get Moses. Now, I want you to understand at this point, when we get to Moses, the end of Genesis and the beginning of Exodus, there's a big gap. There's no gap in your Bible, but there's a big gap. If we look in Genesis 15, 13, God says this is going to happen. Genesis 15, verse 13. And this is God speaking to Abraham when he put him to sleep. And he said to Abraham, Genesis 15, verse 13, Abraham, know, or Abraham, know a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and they shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. So 400 years was before God did anything. So we get this gap in between Genesis, end of Genesis, and the beginning of Exodus. Uh, shall we go there then? Um, in Exodus 3, and God speaks again. Now, when it's a very famous story, all the children would know this story. Exodus 3, verse 4. This is a bit of a different speaking, but I'm just including it because it breaks a silence from God of 400 years. It's a silence for 400 years, and in, verse, in chapter 3, verse 4, uh, well, the angel of the Lord appeared, uh, verse 2 of chapter 3, appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked to behold the bush burn with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. So again, and here is a lovely interesting thing. He turned aside. And this is another thing about when God speaks and he, he comes with us in our lives and he causes us to turn aside to hear him. Everyone here knows that because else you would never have got saved if he hadn't turned you aside. So God puts a burning bush in our lives. Everyone has a different burning bush. There's a burning bush in your life where God speaks to you and causes you to come a bit saved. You can all say that, can't we? It's all happened to every one of us. And God came and something happened that caused us to have an experience of, of God speaking to us through people, through circumstances, all sorts of things. Everyone is different. And he spoke to us and spoke into our lives just as he did to Moses. And we said, here am I. <laughs> and that's what God does to us, doesn't it? He spoke from heaven. Now, Later on, he speaks again directly out of heaven. Now, this is not quite as clear in Exodus, so we're going to read um, in Numbers chapter 5. Numbers 
verse 22. Numbers 5, 22. Have I got that right? No, it's Deuteronomy 5, 22. Who do I write numbers down? All right. Let's just double check I'm wrong. Yeah, 5.22. Sorry, num it's not numbers, it's Deuteronomy. I've written it down in first and I wrote it again wrong. <laughs> Here God speaks to the people, right? Here we are in verse. He's spoken out. Now in, if you go in Exodus 20, you'll find that God's speaking the Ten Commandments. And there was a fire on, on the mountain and there was all this noise and trumpets and everything. And that's in Exodus 20 when he speaks the the things. But here we get a, a different thing. When you talk, we realize, here we are, in verse 22 of Deuteronomy 5, these words, this is it, this is the Ten Commandments he's spoken, spake unto all your assembly in the mount, out of the midst of the fire and the cloud, out of the thick darkness with a great voice, and he added no more. And he wrote them in two tablets of stones and delivered them unto me. So here we have a, a Moses' account of when God spoke these Ten Commandments. Now, I always thought and that, that Moses received the Ten Commandments up in the mountain and he came down with them. No, God spoke directly to the people. And then they, we get a reaction from them. What is their reaction when God spoke to them directly from heaven? Let's have a read in, in Numbers. Let's go back to, to Exodus 20, where we get the other account. That's because that's not quite clear in Exodus that he speaks actually from heaven, but it takes it clear in there from Deuteronomy. Exodus 20, eight, verse 18, again. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpets and the mountains smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. Wow. They didn't want God to speak to them. And you'll notice from that point on, God never speaks from heaven to the children of Israel again. Never. He speaks for his prophets, he speaks for his priests, but he never speaks directly from heaven again to the whole people of Israel. Isn't that amazing? He speaks for his prophets. Now he spoke to individuals, but as the whole nation... I don't think he ever did that again, where he spoke directly from heaven to the people. And that's an incredible thing. And we need to remember this, because we've come to this point where he's speaking from this mountain, and if you look at the mountain in, in Saudi Arabia, which I think is actually the, the Mount Sinai, which Paul says it's in Arabia, the top of it is completely black. Completely black. Where it's been burned by the fire of God. Amazing. So he spake to the people, the people didn't want to hear the voice of God because it was too much for them. They couldn't cope with it. The fun, and Moses went up, you'll read, you'll read the story on, Moses went up the mountain in all the smoke and in fact um, his, his, his sidekick went up as well. Um, Joshua went up in the mountain as well and stayed. But this is an amazing picture, isn't it? How God spoke but they didn't want him to speak to them because they were afraid. Wow. And they stood afar off. He said, the people stood afar off and Moses drew near under the thick darkness where God was. 
Wow. Now we want to draw in to the thick darkness where he is. The thunder and the lightning, the power of God. But there's a, that is not where we come these days. We'll see later on. We don't come to that type of situation anymore. So here we have a, the prophets now speaking on behalf of God. Certain people, God would move on Isaiah, Jeremiah, all these different prophets, Samuel, Nathan, all loads and loads of them, the whole lot, right up to the end of Malachi. All these prophets spake God, from God, but God did not speak verbally from heaven again to the people because they didn't want him. And that's, that's your situation too. God will speak, still carry on speaking to you, but if you don't want him to speak from heaven to you, he'll leave you alone. And it's in the people in the world. He leaves them alone, doesn't he? Doesn't, they don't want God. He leaves them alone. He'll have to speak. They'll have to say for the end of their life why they didn't want him. And have to, but that's up to, between them and God. And so here we have a prayer in Isaiah 64. In response to this situation. Isaiah 64, 1 to 4. And this is Isaiah. Wanting God, he says, Isaiah 64, verse 1. Oh, thou wouldst rend the heavens, thou wouldst come down, that the mountains might flow at thy presence. And when the melting fire burneth and causes the waters to boil, to make, the name, make thy name known to thy adversaries, that the nations may tremble at thy presence. For verse 4, for since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, nor I seen God beside thee. And what God has prepared for us. What God has prepared for them that wait on him. So he wanted heaven to open and God to speak down so that they could know God. Don't they? So that was Isaiah's prayer. And we see in Jesus that prayer is answered. But let's go to the last, I want to go to the last of the prophets. Right to the very end of your Old Testament. And we get a lovely little picture here, again, of something we've seen before. Micah, sorry, Malachi 4, verse 4. Or verse 5. Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet before the great, the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So Elijah the prophet is going to come before the coming of the Lord. Now when you see prophecies in lots of bits, you get in the same passage, in the same verse, in the same thing, bits of prophecy which are for now, it's a prophecy which that, that for the second coming, for the first coming, it's all muddled together in the same line. And sometimes that's why it's very difficult to understand some of the old prophecies. Remember when Jesus spoke, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, he stopped at a certain point because he started talking about the judgment. And he didn't read that bit because that wasn't to do with them. So I see from that little passage, remember when you read that in, the, in, in, in Nazareth? He stopped in mid-verse 
because the second half was about his second coming. So, he was, so it's very difficult when you come to try and understand prophecy, because here, and here again we get a similar type of things. Because he's talking about a great day of the Lord, which is second coming, but then he's talking about turning the heart of the fathers to the children, which is now, which is when Jesus came. So here we give Malachi, and we have now a period of over 400 years again. So we get another 400 year gap between the end of Malachi and Matthew. So I want you to see here that God had spoken in the past lots of times to lots of people and then to the main people, you know, straight from heaven, but they didn't really want to hear. Any other time God spoke, it was to, to prophets. Ezekiel in 1 1, he said, Heaven opened, but it was a vision for a single person, to a prophet. And then he, at the end, of Malachi, we see there's a prophecy about something happening, and we get this another 400-year gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's a very similar idea as, as from the first gap when there was no prophecy going on when they were in Egypt. So here we have another idea of, of, of a picture of, of what God is doing. He's waiting for a time when it was right for Jesus to come. And then, suddenly... It all takes off. <laughs> it all takes off. And we take this story because we hear it so often. But the impact of 400 years of complete and utter silence from God. And then, what happens? Let's look in Matthew. Sorry, in Luke chapter 1. We'll be in Luke 1 for a, little, a few minutes. In Luke 1. 11, verse 11. Um, well, let's just, um, <laughs> we could read the whole lot, but we can't read it all because we won't get, won't get through. There was a, a priest named Zacharias in chapter 5, um, uh, and he's had a wife, um, oh, Elizabeth, and both of them were of the course of, a, of Aaron, because his wife was, they were both priests, had a priestly line. And they were both righteous before God, they had no children, and he was d- doing his normal duty, which was every six months in the, in the um, temple. And Zachariah, and there appeared, as he was doing this, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. That's how we know he was in the temple. And Zachariah saw him and he was troubled and fear fell upon him. So here we have... God starting to appear to speak again after 400 years, the same as before when he spoke to Moses. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. For thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and shall call his name John, and shall have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many... Of the children of Israel shall be he turned to the Lord of God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, Elijah, and shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, and to make ready the people prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby I know this, for I am an old man, and my wife is well stricken in years. And the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel, that's that stands in the presence of God, and I am sent to speak unto thee and show thee these glad tidings. And we know that she had a baby. 
Now, do you know what, see what verse he, he quoted? He quoted the verses from the end of Malachi. As if God, as if there'd been no time between, as far as God was concerned, in giving him prophecy to Malachi and then suddenly appearing to Zacharias. For us, it's 400 years, but to God, it's just a second. Isn't it wonderful? So it's just, and he said he came out and he couldn't speak. And then in verse 26, we're carrying on in Luke for a minute. Verse 26, we find, in the six months, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin exposed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel come unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favoured, the Lord is with thee. Blessed thou art among one women. And the, uh, verse 30, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favour with God. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. You shall be great, you shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of the, his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then he talks about the Holy Ghost coming up. Here we have another visitation, six months later. Wow, another visitation. 400 years and nothing, within six months you have two. But don't stop there. He goes, he goes into, uh, I guess go to verse 41, she's gone to visit Elizabeth now, and they, as they entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth, it came to pass that when Mary heard the salutation, Elizabeth, sorry, heard the, Mary, the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost, and she spake out with a loud voice, and said, Blessed art thou, woman, uh, blessed are the fruit of the womb. Whence is this to me? For the mother of thy Lord should come to me. And she said, For as low as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leapt in my womb. For joy. Wow. It's going on, isn't it? Now let's carry on. Then suddenly, the Holy Ghost comes on Mary and she starts speaking in verse 46. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And she goes on. She goes on. Those left the state, they were not regarded the lowest state of this handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. How does she know all this? She's speaking from, she's prophesying. She's speaking by the Holy Ghost. Right through, uh, well, we can read some of that. His mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He's shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of his hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them in low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich have he sent away empty. For he opened his servant for he's helped, he's helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. So here we have another thing going on. Mary now starting to prophesy. But it's not only there. Let's go to Matthew 1, 18. We all know these stories, but when we put it all together, we suddenly see the incredible change of events. As soon as God starts... He's off. Right, Matthew 1, 18. This is another little bit we can read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When his mother Mary was exposed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Ghost. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, would not willing to make her a public example, was mindedly to put her away privily. 
And while he fought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. For all, for, now all this is done, there we go, so there we go. So, here we have Joseph having dreams now. Not to, not to get rid of his wife Mary, because they were engaged, but they weren't married. The engagement went on for a year or so, and they weren't married, and it, was a, it would be a, look, a real shame. But Joseph did his part and did what he was told. Uh, and then he got, it says, he, Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him. And she knew not Mary until they brought forth Jesus. Which is quite a thing, really, for us men, isn't it? Suddenly you marry this new wife and she's already pregnant, so you've got to wait until she's had her baby. Anyway, I won't go any further on that. <laughs> <laughs> so here we have <laughs> Joseph. Now we go back to Luke again. Uh, where are we? Luke. We're back into Luke 1. So we can see it's all, it's all really happening now. Luke 1, 39. Uh, where are we? And that's 39. Now, where are we? Oh, yes, to fill with it. Elizabeth is filled with it. So I'll put Joseph in there. And then we go on to um, verse 46. Oh, that's Mary, Mary having Mary prophesied. We go to verse 67. Uh, and then when they came to be. Um, Zacharias, they came to have him circumcised. And his father Zacharias, this is John's father, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets, which have been since the beginning of the world, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. And he goes on all the way down to, to give... Um, Light to them that sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of peace. So another prophecy from Zacharias here. So he's continuing on, these prophecies continuing on, that God is speaking into this incredible situation from when he hasn't spoken for so long. Now let's go into Luke 2. He's not only speaking to them. What's happened then? When Jesus was born... They were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping a watch over their flock by night. And, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day, in the city of David, a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Wow. So when Jesus was born, not only did Joseph get a visitation and Mary have visitations and the, the family, but the shepherds in the fields who were keeping the flocks, which were there for the sacrifices, they, they had a visitation from God. Heaven opened for them. 
Heaven opened and an angel spoke down to them. Wow. This is after the 400 years of quiet. God starts speaking again. He starts speaking again. Not only does he speak to them. Let's go on to, to verse 25. And they're taking them. Uh, oh, this is when he was circumcised, sorry. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. Wow. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death, for he has seen the Lord Jesus. Wow, what a revelation. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all his people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel. And Simon blessed them and, and said, The child is set for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. And he talks about a sword was pierced all soul also because of his crucifixion, that the thoughts of many hearts be revealed. Now not only was it Simeon, Simeon but there was Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was a great age and she'd lived with her husband for seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of four score and four years. That's 84 years. Wow. And she departed not from a temple, but served God and fasted and prayers day and night. She came in that instant, gave thanks likewise unto God, and spake to him of all that looked for for the redemption in Jerusalem. Wow. So we have another person speaking. We don't know what she said, but she again spoke. So we have all these incredible things going on. But that doesn't stop there. Let's look on. In Matthew 2, we go back to Matthew. Into Matthew 2 now. All very, very well known verses. We're reading one of, between verses 1 and 2. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from East Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. And in verse 11, uh, or verse 10, when they saw the star, they were exhorting, uh, rejoiced with exceeding great joy. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented him gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And then what happens then? And being warned of God in a dream. Not only was it people in Israel who were having these dreams, but even these people from the east, who I think were from probably from a lot, somewhere like China. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed in their own country another way. But the dreams don't stop there. Look, he says in verse um, 19, when, no, uh, oh yeah, and then verse 13, when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, another dream saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there there until I bring thee word. For Herod will see the young child and destroy him. So they departed out into Egypt. And then in verse 19, But Herod was dead. Behold, an angel of the Lord 
appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. But when they heard that Araclaeus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, they were afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee and dwelt in a city of Nazareth. Now here we have, so here we have Joseph having another two, two or three dreams. So it continues on, this intervention of God speaking into people. I mean, that's, that's what's happened after this 400 years of silence, just the same as we had the 400 years of silence when they were in Egypt, and then Moses came, and God carried on speaking through Moses, and then eventually speaking to them himself, and then through the prophets. He have another gap, and then it's, it's enormous amount of activity going on. And this is how God works, doesn't he? Sometimes he sits there and waits until the situation is right, and then he starts moving. And it's the same in our lives. He speaks to us, and we get that in our lives, don't we? We get a period where we sometimes where it's all happening, and then there's sometimes there's quiet, and, all seems, and suddenly it all erupts again. And that's the, it's in seasons in our lives. But he says, be instant in and out of season. doesn't matter what season you're in, carry on regardless. Carry on regardless, because God is always faithful. And it may not seem that nothing, nothing was happening, but God has already had a plan. It seemed nothing was happening in Egypt, did it, until God spoke and came. Nothing was happening after the end of the, the Old Testament for 400 years, but God was still on the case. He still, his prophecies were still going to be fulfilled. So that's how God seems to work through us. He comes along, and now, but then it never stops. Once we get to Jesus, he never stops. Let's read in Matthew 3, verse 16. Well, let's ask verse 13. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of you. You come to me. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it now, for thus it be become as us to fulfill all righteousness. And he suffered him. And when Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and resting and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, what I want you to see here is a wonderful picture of the first time when God spoke from heaven to give the law. The second time he speaks, to, in, first time he speaks in the New Testament in that way, he's speaking to someone who's kept the law. Because he said, Blessed. Because why? Because he kept the law. Jesus had kept the law fully. And that's an interesting picture, isn't it? The first time they didn't want to hear, but this time, because God was like this and that, and, they, and he was far away, and they had to worship God through in this temple, and they couldn't go to God personally. They had to have this veil where God had to stay behind, and not because, just because they, they couldn't approach God, because if they did approach God, they would die. And so God said, I want to be there and dwell amongst them, but I better put up a barrier in this tent so you can come to me once a year for sin. But there's this, this, this awful barrier of sin between us and him where we can't, 
We can't because he's a holy God. It was the same at the mount. Remember at the mount they weren't to even touch it, the mount, or they would die. And as Uzziah touched, remember Uzziah touched, because this holiness of God and this veil that was there to keep us away from God, basically, because he was so holy and we're not. So, but Jesus had this open heaven, and and now God spoke to him straight from heaven. We see over in chapter 17, verse 1 to 6, another time where God speaks directly out of heaven. It frightens the pants off him. It does. Verse, chapter 17. After six days, Jesus takes Peter, James and John, his brother, and brings them into a high mountain apart. And he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, Elijah talking with them. Then answered to Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it be good for us to be here, if thou wilt. Let us make here three tents, one for me, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud, which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were very afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no man, same Jesus. Now this is a, exactly the same as what happened on the Mount Sinai, wasn't it? God speaks and they're absolutely petrified. You know every time angels come along, they have to say, peace, 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 peace. don't be afraid to marry everybody. Don't be afraid to the shepherd. Don't be afraid. It's God's come for peace. He's come with peace. He's come with a white flag of peace to us. He doesn't come with anger because we're in a period of grace at the moment. He will come with anger and wrath one day, but at the moment it's a peace. And that's where we are before him. So here we have this wonderful time when he speaks from heaven. Another time God speaks from heaven is in John 12. But these are not that often. Here we have three occurrences in the life of Jesus which were recorded to us where God speaks from heaven. Um, Jesus is saying he's coming to Jerusalem. It was six days before the Passover, so he's ready. This is the last Passover he was going to have. And they were talking to him, and he said in verse 23 of chapter 12, the hour is come that the Son of Man shall be glorified. Truly, truly, I will verily, verily, I will say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it shall abide alone. But if it dies, it shall bring forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve him, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man shall serve me, him will my father honour. Now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this cause came it into this hour. And Father, glorify thy name. Then came a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. And some people think it thundered, but he said, no, it didn't thunder. It's, it, was, it was God speaking for your sake, not for my sake, because he had a complete revelation. But I want you to see here 
about the corn dying and being raised to life. Because this is a picture of Christ dying, but also us when he opens heaven to us. So here we go, God speaking to us. In Hebrews 1, God speaking to, he spoke, he spoke to Jesus, as far as we know in his life, three times, directly out of heaven. But I think when Jesus went up the mount any rate, I reckon he was like he was on the Mount of Transfiguration, it's just that no one was up there with him. <laughs> I think that was what he, when he came into Father's presence, I think that's what it was like. Now I don't know that, whether that's right or not, but that's, my, that's what I think, that every time he went into his Father's presence, up on a mountain to pray, I think that's what happened. Right, in Hebrews 1, 1, it says, God, who at various times and in many various diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son, or by son, by a son. And this is where we have a difference now to the old and the new. He speaks to us by a son. And this is a wonderful thing. We have this son. Well, we can go into heaven. Let's, let's look at that. When Jesus died in Luke 23, 45, remember we spoke about this veil, which was to keep us away from God, to protect us from God, basically. In Luke 23, 45. In fact, he speaks to a man on the cross, uh, and he says, he says to him in verse 42, he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when you comest into the kingdom. And Jesus said unto thee, Verily, verily, I say unto, or verily I say unto you, today you shall be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole of the earth unto the ninth hour. So it was three hours of complete darkness. The sun was darkened, and the veil of the tent, temple was rent in midst, right from the top. This great thick veil. It's not like a veil which people wear at a wedding. It was so thick so that the glory of God couldn't shine through it. It was really thick. And it tore from top to bottom. And what's the significance of that? Well, let's have a look. In Hebrews 10. So we're doing lots of verses today. I always do lots of verses, don't I? Well, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Hebrews 10. 19 and 20. Well, let's just go back to verse 16, which is a, a quote from, uh, from the Old Testament here. This is a covenant I'll make with them after these days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and in their minds, I will write them. And their sins and iniquities will remember no more. Now where remission of these is, of these sins, there is no more offering of sin, because Jesus offered his sin once. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, into a new and living way, which he hath consecrated us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. So he's saying, Paul's saying, his flesh was like the veil that was torn in two. It's because of what he did, that he died on the cross, his body was torn, he was cut open, he was split open through his body, the death of his body. We have entrance into the heaven to come in with boldness. 
it says over back in verse, in chapter 6, 19 and 20, look, we have a hope, an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, which entereth into that which is in the veil, whether the forerunner for us entered even Jesus, made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The order of Melchizedek is an ongoing order of priesthood that never, never had a beginning or an end. A forerunner of Jesus entered in to the temple of God so that we can enter in. Now I want you to see this. It's because of the blood. Because we can't go into the temple, the presence of God, unless his blood has cleansed us completely, utterly and totally from sin and that there's no problem between us and God and sin. Even though we might come to God and confess our sin, our sin has already been cleaned completely. Our slate's been wiped clean completely. Or else we could never come into his presence. Never. But we can. We have heaven has been opened for everyone here this morning. It's been opened for you. By a new and living way, it says. Heavenly has been opened for everyone here this morning. You, it says, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. Now how does he do that? Let's, like, let's go and have a look at that. That's in, in John, is it John 6? Which one did I put down here? Well, that was, yeah, he's, oh yeah, John 15, verse 26. When the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom I was sent unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. And if we go over into chapter 16, just over the page, or on the same page, uh, 13 and 14. When he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He shall not speak of himself. Whatever he shall hear, that will he speak. And he will show things to come. He will show he shall glorify me, shall he, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. He shall speak it and show it to us. God says by the Holy Spirit, he will speak and show it to us now. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? We have an open heaven. Now we can see that. I'm not going to turn to it. Remember when Stephen died? He saw heaven open because he was already there. It was where he was. It's where he lived, in heaven. And Paul saw heaven. God spoke to Paul out of heaven. Straight down, boom, on the floor. God spoke to him and changed him forever. And when God speaks from heaven in your life, it changes you forever. But we think that sometimes the heaven is like brass. But no, that's the Old Testament. We might have times when, like the 400 years where it seems silent, but I tell you, it's not silent because we, we're seated with him. Aren't we? We've been born from above, it says in John 3, 3. When it says born again, it actually means those, that one when he speaks to start with in there, in John 3 and, and a bit further down in the verse 7, it says he's born from above. Not just born again, we're born from above. We're born of the Spirit of God. We're born of the Word of God who speaks into us. 
So when Jesus, all that stuff started after that 400 years, that was the start of something absolutely incredible that we're now enjoying still. And that's why we enjoy Christmas. Because he's come. And we can see him. And he speaks to us. Isn't it wonderful that he speaks to us? But not more than that. We just, we've been looking at this before in Romans 6. Remember we talked about becoming through his body, in, in the entering into the holy place through the veil of his flesh? Look, in chapter, Romans 6, 3, this is how it works. This is the mechanics of what he's done. Know ye not that as many of us who are baptised into Jesus Christ were baptised into death. Now this isn't the water baptism, this is spirit baptism. Know ye not, therefore, you are buried with him by baptism into death, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. So we walk in wilderness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. The same way. Now remember when Jesus was in a, re- a resurrected body? He was completely different. He might look different. But there's a new body we're going to get one day. But there is a life of resurrection now. We walk in newness of life now. It's not future. It's now. We have an open heaven because of what Jesus has done. It's never shut. God says when he opens a door, it stays open. No one can shut it. No one can shut this door. When you've had this door open to heaven, it's eternal. It's an eternal life. It's open forever. And when you die, you just step through the door into heaven. Isn't that a wonderful thing? But Paul talks about this in Ephesians. It's the last verse I'm going to read here because I've been so excited about this, this, this bit. It's just, it's just, well, as I say, I have to, to tie my shoelaces up tight or else I'll be, I'll be blessed out of my socks. One <laughs> seventeen. This is Paul praying. He's praying for Christians. And he said in, in, in Ephesians 1, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of him. We all have a knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now he's saying, I want you to know and understand this, what he's done for us. When we're living in this world now, This, he wants us to know this now, that we have an open heaven, which he wrought, which is his his exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, not ours, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, where he is far above all principality, power, and might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. He put all things under his feet and gave unto him, gave him to be head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. But then he goes on. And you, who were dead in trespasses and sins, he's quickened us. You were dead in trespasses and sins. He's quickened us. He doesn't want you to think just because these all these wonderful things are for Paul. He said, you, I want you to know this. 
Where in times past, you, when you walked according to the, the world, and then it goes on, you were children of wrath in the end of verse 3. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love when he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath, past tense, quickened us together with Christ, by grace you are saved. So he's quickened us together with Christ. He raised us up together with Christ and made us sit together with Christ in heavenly places in Christ. Now the word heavenly places, it's the same here in the verse 20. It just says the heavenlies. It doesn't say heavenly places, in the heavenlies. And it's the same here in the heavenlies that in the ages to come, through us he might show the riches of God. You are seated in the heavenlies because you've been born from heaven this morning. Heaven has been opened for you. There's an open heaven. No more do we say we don't want to hear God. We don't come, it says in Hebrews, we don't come to this mountain of fire, but we come unto Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. It's no more do we fear God in that way, but we fear him in a new way, of fear, a love, love fear. Heaven's been opened for us this morning. Isn't that an incredible thing? It, Christmas talks about heaven, the beginning of the story of heaven being opened for us. After all those hundreds of years of no sight, no nothing, and in your life when you had all these years of nothing, God spoke, and that was the beginning. All, it all started happening, didn't it? Once he spoke to you, and it all started happening, started moving in your life and bringing heaven down into here. Wow. I'm going to sing a song. Heaven has opened. And I hope I can. I've, I've got a bit of a... <sighs> this morning. I did have some water somewhere. Here it is. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you this morning as we're singing this to open your heart to him. This is just a little story. The heaven can be open for you this Christmas. It can be open today, this very minute. This very minute. If you don't know him, it can be open now. But if you're, God's wanting to encourage us to live under an open heaven. That's what he wants us to do.